Hey Lab Rats, it's Darian of Lab Shenanigans and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. Today's guest is a friend of mine I absolutely adore, Shannon Odell. We talk about mental health, mouse behavioral assays, and getting into comedy. Enjoy! Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Got it. Okay, it's recording. Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome back to... Scientifically sparking. Uh, <laughs> today I am joined with the Shannon Odell. Beep, 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 beep. Whoa. She's a neuroscientist, comedian, and science host. And she's a Libra. 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 We're just chanting the entire time. That's the podcast right there. <laughs> That's the pod. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm... This was so wonderful. I hope you have a wonderful day. And let's catch up after this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for those that don't know, Shannon and I both have the same birthdays. Yes. 10, 20, 10, 20, blaze it. 10, 20, blaze it. As they say in the <laughs> medical textbooks. 1020 blaze it. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what year were yeah. you born? Uh 89. 89, 89. I am 94. <gasps> five years. I was a little five-year-old celebrating my little fifth-year-old birthday <laughs> as you were coming out. I've known you for so long. And I say so long. I've known you for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> Four years. And I always thought that you're like a year older than me. I don't know why. You look so young. Oh, bless you. <laughs> They always say white do crack, but uh, you don't. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I do feel as if I've aged extremely during the pandemic. Like, I just, like, feel like I can't, I went into the pandemic like a teenager, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't. I was 30. <laughs> I was 30. But I feel like I am exiting the pandemic, like, uh, ready for retirement. Yes. No, I feel like my body has changed in the past couple of years. Definitely, I've gotten older. Like, I don't know about you, yeah. but I've gotten sleepier. I've gotten, like... Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the side, side effects from my medication, but, like, I've mm-hmm. just gotten sleepier and more tired. Oh, yeah. Any medication, I um, always, it makes me tired. That's like, if a side effect on a bottle mm-hmm. is like, may cause fatigue, I am dead on the ground. Girl, same <laughs> here. Asleep. I am consistently napping. I can nap anywhere. Yeah. Sometimes when I have a room to myself, like right now, yeah. I'm not afraid to just 
lay on the table and just flap myself on the table and then pass the fuck out. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. Yeah, right go for it. off the bat. Okay, one side backer stomach sleeper. Ooh, it depends. It depends okay. what surface I'm on. If I'm on a hard okay. surface, <laughs> yeah. If and I'm on a hard besides, surface, who's beside me? You know what I mean. <laughs> if I'm on a hard on a hard surface, I lay on my back. If I am cuddling with the BF. Yeah, I am on my side, but it's hard because I generally sleep on the right side. He sleeps yeah. on the left side. Okay. And so I'm turned on my left. Wait, wait, are we staring down at the bed? Uh, Yes, you're staring down in the bed. No, 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 no. You're staring up. You're staring up. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm underneath up. the bed. I'm yes, underneath the underneath. bed. And you're on the left? No, I'm on the right. And you're on the right. And okay. he's on okay. the left. Okay. I love thinking about these dynamics. Okay. But it's funny because I'm right-handed. And I think right? because I'm right-handed, I like to sleep on my right side. But okay, I like to sleep on my the right side of the bed. So when I'm cuddling <gasps> with him. You're opposite. Yes, I'm on the left side. And so already I'm uncomfortable. Right. And then my right hand is like hugging him. Yes, yes. There's always that awkward position of not knowing what to do with the left hand. And so it's always cramped up. You know what I mean? Right. I would love to detach that hand. We we are going to get flying cars. Forget about it. I want a detachable yes. arm. <laughs> I mean, they have beds apparently of like, there's like a little, a little, like a little dent. Yeah. Where you can <laughs> put your hand underneath. Okay. Love that. And I need to buy one of those. Absolutely. Okay. I'm loving this dynamic. I'm a left sleeper. And I'm I'm a stomach. You're on the left side of the bed or like I'm you're underneath the bed. <laughs> okay. You're underneath the bed, you're looking uh-huh. up. I'm uh-huh. on the left side. Okay. So what you're saying is if we were to share the same bed, we would fit because <laughs> I'm we right would side. fit. Yeah, we yeah. Would <laughs> fit. Oh okay. my god. Okay. Yes. And that was what I was getting at all along. Okay, wow. If you wanted to just sleep with me, you could have just DM'd me. I know. <laughs> no, I I like to investigate my way there. Let you come to the conclusion. So conspicuous. Wait, is it conspicuous or inconspicuous? I always get those two mixed up. Oh, you're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Here's the thing. I think a lot of people think I'm smart, but I'm actually dumb as fuck. I feel the same way. I feel like in terms of vocabulary, I am very confident in my abilities in terms of like, I think I can critically think. I think I'm a logical Mm -hmm. person. I think you give me a challenge, I will figure it out. But it would yes. come, and it's really funny because like I'm a science host, so I like do a lot of talking about science, mm-hmm. and I think I can talk about science in a very relatable way. But at the same time, am I saying words wrong all the time? One hundred percent. Is my tense? Is my tense wrong? Yes, it is. I, yes. Subject verb agreement does not happen because I'm not very good at speaking. <laughs> I am the epitome. Of like a STEM student undergrad, like sometimes I could be mathematically, scientifically smart, but girl, I cannot write to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) For me, there's a lot of preparation that comes into stuff that I do. Like if I'm giving talks, if I'm giving a presentation, when I'm doing those, like it seems like I'm smart or it seems like I know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but it just takes a lot of preparation. I'm not like one of those people that are inherently smart. I had to Mm -hmm. work. Mm, to get to mm, where mm. I am, you know? Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. There, there are people who are just inherently smart, no preparation, and they're like, I know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, right. give me a day to study all that, and then yes. I can deliver the same thing. <laughs> no, I think we're very similar in that way. Because, like, I, I feel the same way, like, Libra, it, Libra. Where it's the le- Libra. 
And, you know, and the fact that we can fit into bed together, you know, that's part of it. <laughs> and that, like, I am never, I never like talking just off the cuff. I'm always like, okay, what are we going to talk about? I need to do so much research that I'm not even going to tell you that I'm secretly <laughs> doing. I mean, I think it's also a complex, like, a little bit as a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I bet you in other fields it's like this too. There's this huge fear of being wrong. You don't never want to be an authority, say the wrong thing, mm. right? Obviously, I, I'm all about like transparency of like, that's fine if you do that because everyone yeah. makes mistakes. And mm-hmm. then you just say like, Oops. wait, you make mistakes? I have a, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely make mistakes. <laughs> me? Oh, me? No, I'm not talking about me. I never make mistakes. I don't know. I have always had this like complex, especially in science communication. That was like always what was holding me back was like, oh, what if I mess this up? And like someone comes after my ass and is like, no. (laughs) I think a lot of people are very forgiving where if you own up to your mistakes, it just says a lot about you where if you agree with what they're saying, it shows that science is, I guess, like always changing or we're always trying to take one step closer to finding the truth. And if yeah. you are like resistant and like, I don't think that's true, then people are going to be very hesitant about believing in science. 100%. That's like part of being a good science communicator is having the dialogue, having the like openness. Yeah. So like, when did you decide to become a science communicator? Was this while you're pursuing your PhD? Yeah, good question. Great, 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 great question. <laughs> when did you decide to become such a good interviewer? <laughs> um, uh, right now. <laughs> so I moved to the city. Boom, here I am wow. out of college. She was like a country girl. Then she moved to the city. <laughs> I was from deep Minnesota. I don't know if that's country. I literally don't this know. This is like country. a Hallmark movie. <laughs> uh, no, I came from Jersey. Uh, I came like I came from Jersey. <laughs> Come from deep Jersey. Got my one my one suitcase off the bus. I move to the city after my undergrad, and I because because I I really like neuroscience, but I actually didn't major in neuroscience. I slay. I majored in bio, which <laughs> similar vibes. Okay, so you were born on ten twenty, like me. Yeah. Yeah. And then I studied for undergrad, I studied biochemistry. But you studied biology or biochemistry? Biology. Oh, okay. And then I wanted to pursue neuroscience. Yeah. But then I, I shut it down because I was like, let me do this social media stuff first. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you were in a neuro lab teching, right? Yeah. Wow. That's what I did. You've been following me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been following you because I was in a time machine. I figured out what you were doing. <laughs> I started to tech at a neuroscience lab in mm-hmm. the Bronx. And then I was doing comedy in the city at the same time because I was like, what Mm -hmm. am I doing? I need friends. So that's why I started doing comedy because I wanted friends, which is interesting way to approach comedy. Yeah, I would have gone to like the gay club. (laughs) Yeah, that's a it's like a normal way to make friends. Me, I was like, I need to do school to make friends. So I signed up for comedy school. You know what I mean? Like I. I only know how to pursue things in an academic sense. So I went to this place, UCB, um, no longer is now defunct, but that's a whole nother story. Wait, UCB, it, what does it stand for? UC Bitches? Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, you see bitches everywhere and you're making friends. <laughs> so I took my first improv class, like Improv 101, and I was like, great, I'm going to make friends. Didn't really make friends, but- Come I on, yes, really- and- 
<laughs> I know, but I had this great teacher who messaged me after the class and he was like, hey, like, I know that you were like that into comedy, but like, I really think you should pursue this. You really have a knack for it. And you're oh, yeah. like, doing well. Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful for that teacher because then I just decided like, okay, I'm going to fucking really oh, do comedy. We love good teachers. Yeah. All you need is one good teacher to really set you on a path. Oh, yeah. So then I started doing comedy, started my PhD because I was still like, I love, I like neuroscience. I'm going to do my PhD in neuroscience. And then I started combining my comedy with my science. Really, the first thing I started doing was this show called Drunk Science. Yeah. I see ads, not ads, but I see like your posters on Instagram all the time. And whoever's editing those, they look so good. They're very professional. My co-host, Jordan, we like made a template like 10 years ago and then we just fill in the template. And that's what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about templates. Don't (laughs) sleep on them. They're really good to have and they make your life easier. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. So then I started to do that comedy show where we had – the show was like – had featured a scientist. They were the person we interviewed. The show's theme was around them and then we had three comedians and the comedians compete – to they do trivia about the science and then Mm -hmm. they do a dissertation Uh, we give them a topic ahead of time so say we have an astrophysicist on they might like do a dissertation on like black holes normally follows science yeah so it's like normally they they watch a couple youtube videos and they like will read the wikipedia page but the presentations are so so funny the comedians always approach the science in such a funny way and that's kind of what inspired my whole path because it was like i was hosting the show i was seeing it happening in real time like how you could combine science and comedy and it could be so so funny so then that's how i got into science communication that's so interesting are there any recordings online like on youtube so we during the pandemic we did two what are the virtual shows yeah can you please send me the links? I want to post absolutely. it on in the description. I want to watch one of the yeah, videos during my lunch break. They're on my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Shannon mm-hmm. Odell. Actually, when we collaborated on that YouTube video, like mm. almost a year ago, I really stalked your YouTube channel. <laughs> I can't believe that was a year ago. Honestly, it feels like three months ago. It went by so quick. I was such in a different state of mind around then. I was really depressy wessy around uh, the time. LOL. Really? Oh, yeah. But life has gotten so much better. Uh, I think Definitely, I think the pandemic played a huge role. Yeah. Did the pandemic play, like, a role on your mental health? Oh, yeah. I mean, so pandemic started and I was an anxious mess. I struggle with anxiety. <gasps> Girl, same here. Oh, my God. We really are twins. Yeah. A little, I'm a little anxiety gal. GAD. Uh, yeah, and a bit of social anxiety. If you wait, leave. wait, me too. No way. I swear. Oh Bible. wow, are we twins? <laughs> Is this like parent trap right now? <laughs> Depression, general anxiety, and social anxiety. Yo. I've been medicated for like about a couple months now, and yeah, it's definitely helped me i don't know about you but like i'm very extroverted but i have social anxiety so you see the dilemma (laughs) so i discovered that i had anxiety in college Mm. well i must have known earlier okay i discovered i had anxiety in college but in high school i was getting panic attacks i just didn't understand that i think when you're young you're just like 
I like knew anxiety, but I was just like, this is my personality rather than thinking I'm not like, like other girls. I'm not like other girls. I get, I get asthma attacks when I'm really nervous. Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, not like other girls. So, like, I remember I would get, like, I would always get asthma attacks before, like, choir performances. And, like, that was panic attacks. I'm sorry. I You were in choir? Oh, yeah. You like theater, too? Yes. And then in college, I was an acapella girl and, oh, and musical oh theater my gal. God. I feel like we're literally twinsies. Literally. Oh, my gosh. Right? Because you were, you were drama mage. Yeah, I studied, major. I studied theater. I studied theater in college. I decided to study theater in college, honestly, for funsies. Um, yeah. I had no prior training or like formal training in middle right. and high school. So college, I was like, well, if I'm a full-time student, I have a flat tuition rate. So might as well just yeah. double major because it's still going to be the same rate. Yeah. So I did that and I had no desire to pursue a career in theater. It was just I feel like in college, you should just take fun classes and do what genuinely interests you. Yeah, so that's what I did. Okay, that's so crazy that we both have that because like I didn't major in drama, but I was I was like this girl who was in a bunch of the drama class because I would take drama classes for fun. And it was never like on a track to be a major because you needed to really seriously commit to be mm. a drama major and there was no minor. So you have commitment um, issues, gotcha. So I do have commitment issues. <laughs> but I remember there was like some course I was in and the teacher was like, Shannon, you're not a drama major. And I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a biology major. And she was like, why are you in this class? Why the fuck are you here? <laughs> Get the fuck out. But anyway – Oh, yeah. So I discovered in college I had anxiety, specifically social anxiety, because I'd be in these social situations that I would get nervous in and I would have a panic attack in the bathroom. And, you know, things don't go away, but I've done a lot of – I've, like, found my coping mechanisms. I was on medication for several years, Mm -hmm. did a lot of therapy. What I like to talk about my – We love therapy. We love we, we love therapy when it's good because I've had a lot of bad therapy too. My cousin's a therapist and she's like, yeah. yeah, sometimes finding a therapist isn't enough. You have to find the right therapist. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, it's kind of like finding a lab, trying to find yeah. a lab with the right PI. I think I lucked out with the therapist because my first therapist was really good, super understanding. Yeah. And I always felt good coming out of it. But we can talk about that another time, maybe another episode. Everyone's taking their ear. Is that a good frequency for everyone? <laughs> it's like clash. You know, it's clash. Wait, can we harmonize real quick? I can't. I won't be able to. Wait, uh... huh? you're a, you're in fucking choir. What do you mean? Okay, wait, wait, wait. You go first. No, no, I want to go first. I want to go first. And okay, then you okay. try to harmonize some mind it. Okay. Oh, God. This is going to be bad. Okay. Uh... I'm nope. the same note as you. <laughs> <laughs> this, this motherfucker said she was in choir where? Listen, I never said I was good at choir. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I was having panic attacks. <laughs> when I talk about my time with medication, I always talk about it like what I always tell my friends who are thinking about medication is, what it helped for me, it was I had all this cloud over me at all times before medication. And then when I was on my medication, the cloud existed, but I could hold the cloud in my hand and I could look at the cloud. Mm. 
and the cloud wasn't all around me. And because I still had the cloud, like I still got nervous about things. I still, cause I think sometimes like people think like so much is going to change. Like mm-hmm. when I go on medication, it's like, no, like everything was still there. I just could hold it and it didn't become everything to me. It was like something I could hold. I could, I could talk about in therapy and I didn't mm-hmm. have to stay up all night thinking about every little thing i could somehow disassociate myself from it in a way that i was never able to do my entire life wait if you don't mind me asking what uh medication are you taking i was on because i'm no longer on it i was on lexapro oh lexapro uh what am i taking i honestly forgot the name lol i was on a scallop lexapro is a scallop scallopram I don't, and then I was on a benzo for panic attacks. This is a full circle because this goes back to us not knowing what. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, if, if only yeah. we prepared for this specific question. <laughs> but I know for sure that I'm taking an SSRI. I yes, think that's yes, what it's yes. Escalopram is an SSRI. What I would, Lexapro is a SSRI. Um, they all kind of work similarly if they're yeah. an SSRI. This is SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. I know about that because I did like they did overlap with my studies a bit. Right. I, there was a, there was a point where I was giving mice an SSRI in their water bottles, so mm-hmm. I would and I would look. You're at like mice. some for you, some <laughs> yeah, for me. Some for me. <laughs> we are the same. <laughs> so, can you actually go more into your your research, your PhD research? Sure. So what was my research? Can I even remember? You're like, I actually didn't do any of it. Someone else did it for me. (laughs) And then I signed my name to it. So my research was in epigenetics and memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, It started out a project. As many people know, you join a lab. Great. I'm going to plan out what my PhD is based on like what grants the lab has and like what study questions it does. Mm-hmm. So I had this question that was basically looking at early life adversity. So we had three different mice models of early life diversity. We had, oh, if I can re- even remember, because I didn't end up using any of them. We had, <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter what it was. It was like maternal separation, a bunch of different early life adversity types mm-hmm. of situations. And then I was looking at epigenetic markers mm-hmm. that would happen in the hippocampus. Mm. After early life diversity. I remember seeing a lot of your sections, your hippocampus sections on your Instagram story. They were so good. Beautiful dente gyruses. (laughs) But anyway, what happened was in order to get started on that project, I kind of had to do a baseline control just to make sure like this one treatment that I was doing wouldn't affect anything. We love controls. We love a control. So then I started that little baseline experiment Mm. and it did change things. <laughs> drop the bass, drop the mic. It changed how these mice uh, memory function was working. So then my project became epigenetics and memory mm. uh, because I figured out the mouse model I was using kind of affected different regions mm-hmm. of the hippocampus epigenetically. And then that resulted in differences in like memory. So I had to figure out why that was going on. So it kind of like, had something and then was working backwards from it, which was really cool. I did not really want to study memory to begin with. I really wanted to study neuropsychiatric disorders and yeah. stress and early life diversity, uh, adversity, but we follow the science. How long was your PhD? It was five and a half years. Okay, which is pretty average. Yeah. It was 
I felt it was short for a neuroscience because neuroscience when you're doing when you're working with mice, yeah. really any any anything where you're working with mice, yeah. And you're doing like say behavior and you have to have your mice be a certain age. It just takes for freaking ever. Yes. I did for my project, my previous project, I did about roughly 20 mouse behavioral assays. And I think it took me about a month of roughly a month of planning because I don't know about your institution, but my institution, we have like a dedicated animal behavioral core. Mm-hmm. And each room had a different assay and people had to reserve them ahead of time. But yeah. people would reserve these rooms months in advance. Yeah. And so I had to plan all my studies around the room reservations. And my whole mouse behavioral assay timeline ended up being about a year and a half. And so, yeah. And our sample size uh, was about 30 mice. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Per genotype, per gender. And yeah. so I would spend about four to five hours every day, six days a week, doing a different mouse behavioral assay with different cohorts. And that took up a lot of my time. Yeah. And it just took a lot of, definitely a lot of planning with learning and memory. I'm assuming you did like Morris Water Maze or yeah. um, Novel Object Recognition. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's another? Uh, These are all the oldies and the goodies. Yeah. Condition uh, fear. We did some fear conditioning. We oh, did yeah, yeah. some eight arm radial maze. I Ooh. don't know if you've heard that no, one. I've never heard of that. You know, it's like a little specialty that I learned in my last year. Wait, can you, can you talk more about that assay? I'm always interested in learning yeah. about mouse behavioral assays. So an eight 
arm people can use an eight arm maze in like multiple ways in the way we use it if i'm remembering correctly <laughs> basically uh you have eight arms and how we did it is there in the little the little mouse in one eight arm. arms so doc Ock, gotcha spider-man okay yeah think octomom and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but i thought of like um i thought of like octopus or squid porn like uh <laughs> octopus hentai <laughs> Yes. And that's what I want everyone to be picturing while I describe this. And so there's little doors in front of the arms. And basically what you would do is you would train the mice to know that there is a, a treat at the end of the arm. Mm. We used a sprinkle, but because you want it to be really small so they can't see it until they get down there. Like, like an ice cream sprinkle? Like an actual? Yes. Oh, so sugar. Yeah, which I had a one day. Um, mm-hmm. my, my sprinkles went missing. And so I had to go to the store and all they had was rainbow sprinkles, but I had trained them on blue sprinkles. And so okay, I was just going to ask you about like consistency. So did you have to like sort out the sprinkles? Mm-hmm. <gasps> there was one day I was sitting in the behavior room and I was oh, like, Lord. I have to get this behavior room. I have to get this behavior done by, you know, like five o'clock. Cause you right. have to, you, yep. you know, wherever you. cycle you're yeah, you, must admit, you can't go past a certain time. So it's like me. I felt like I was hazing myself. I this like thing of rainbow sprinkles, and I like dumped it out on the floor, like the dirty ass floor of the behavior room. And I'm like trying to like, get all the blue, the blues, and like checking the time. Like okay, if I take one minute between mice and. Because I don't have the room tomorrow. And I have to get this done. If I was in your shoes, I would have like thrown the sprinkles on the floor and I would be like panicking and my like my anxiety would like kick and yeah. I'd be crying. And then just like imagine someone walking in like, what are you yeah. doing on the floor? I need to find blue sprinkles. It's science. <laughs> People don't realize that that is science. Science is running to the nearest door, finding yes. what you can and figuring it out. But oh, with eight arms. Maze, what are we saying? So they're trained to know that, like, to go down an arm, and then you would basically let them go down an arm, and then they would return to their home arm, and then you would open up another arm, mm-hmm. and they can be really close together. And so the mouse is supposed to mm. know, I already went to that one arm, I need to go to the new arm. Mm. So if the, if the arms are really close together, it's kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Then if the arms are really far away, you know, if they're like 90 degrees separated, they know like, Mm -hmm. okay, I went right left last time, I'm going to go left, and then I'll get the sprinkle, Mm -hmm. right? It tests something called pattern separation, which is just the idea that like, you can tell small differences in space. So like a mouse that's really good at pattern separating would probably be able to tell between like two radial arm maze doors that are really close to each other and they would be able to figure out like oh i already went to that one yeah i gotta go in this one it's like short-term memory kind of thing too so that's yeah. so interesting i'm gonna look more into that um after yeah this. what other assays did y'all did y'all do oh what else did we do we did some like control assay so i think we did pre-pulse inhibition oh wait is yours automated ours was automated yes and Wait, then, what is a non-automated pre-pulse inhibition test? Um, my PI told me that like they had. Oh, how did she do it? She said like back in the days we had. You had to, to like set it. Like you're, you had to like change the. I don't even know. You have to like that's like manually press something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was working off a computer that had floppy disks for really? this behavior. Yeah. Okay, a thing that people might not know is that behavior equipment is really expensive. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're, like, continuing on a project for, like, many, many years, 
you're always comparing it to, right? Like we had all this data on this system mm-hmm. yeah. for so long. It's really hard to start a new system because you're like, well, everything is – any little thing can throw things off. Like you right. know where the light is. You know the light per- – like you know the light percentage. You know everything because you mm-hmm. want your mice to be as as – chill and controlled as possible yeah for us my controls was like the light had to be 150 lux Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. uh the sound has to be i think 80 decibels i think it has to be like specifically 85 decibels white noise and then yes you have to let them acclimate to the room for 30 minutes yes because they were moving down on a cart from an animal room yep and the fucking elevator so then you had to get them to the room you had to let them chill for a while Mm mm-hmm and then I wanted to make sure that everything was controlled as possible. So yeah. I also separated the males from the females because I was right. afraid that the hormones or the pheromones of the females might affect or like the genders might affect each other. Of course. Yeah. So I had one day I had to do and we have to do it at the same time every day, you know, mm-hmm. and I made sure to like not wear deodorant, cologne. Yep. And then in order to go into the mouse behavioral room, you had to wear a gown. Yeah. And they had different color gowns, like blue and yellow. And I always made sure to wear yellow gowns. And so it's, you have to yeah, make sure that everything, exactly. everything is the same. That's the thing with behavior. And, and that's what I really loved about behavior. I love like how controlled and how like, I mean, I also love bench work as well, but mm-hmm. behavior was really fun. And I also found it very meditative. Like I loved like being in the dark behavior room for 12 hours. I talk about it like it was hell because it was. Mm-hmm. But there was something about like if I had Morris Water Mace that week, yeah. right, which is like five days of training with mm-hmm. like all these mice and putting them in a murky pool and like scooping out <laughs> mouse poop, like straining oh, mouse poop. Yeah. <laughs> and getting like water all over my clothes. That was straining. Okay, I would strain the pool with we had like this pencil holder uh-huh. because it was like a metal strainer. Oh no. And I would go with it. No, strain the, the ghetto. The ghetto. Oh no. <laughs> strain the giant pool and like my hand, you know, I had gloves on, but it was just like it's just like things you do. <laughs> Our institution was fancy where we had like a little suction hose. Mm, that's fun. And so like we would just suction all the water out and then tilt right. the pool. So that all the poop would be in like one little area and you just Uh, suck it up. Yeah. Why'd I do that? Oh, oh my God. No. (laughs) Suck it up from a giant straw. I mean, the one thing that was nice was that we had our own behavior room. So it was all our lab stuff. Mm. But the downside was, you know, sometimes you were scraping things up with it. Yeah. This is such a full circle because I actually started listening to the science of self-care when I was doing behavior Specifically, I was doing three chamber. Uh, did y'all do that at all? <sighs> three chamber. Remind me what three chamber is. Oh, like preference three chamber. I think it's called social preference three chamber. Um, yeah, yeah, some yeah. Papers. I did do that. Yeah, where the mouse is in the little like cage, like yep. little, little stripper cage. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that are listening and don't know this assay, it's uh, it's an assay that tests for social preference. There's this apparatus and it's separated into three different chambers, the left, middle, and the right. And in the left and right chambers, there are these stripper cages. <laughs> With us, we use pencil holders that were mesh. Yeah, yeah. And they're placed upside down. 
in one chamber, there's inanimate object. We use a Lego piece. And then the opposite chamber, there is a novel mouse placed inside. And so you'll place the subject mouse into the center chamber. And there are like these little um, doors where you can enter either to the left or the right chambers. And in healthy mice, they'll want to spend more time interacting with the novel mouse than the inanimate object. And it tests for social uh, or social interaction. Ours was old school, so mm. I had to sit in front of the apparatus with a keyboard. Yeah, with a keyboard. And if the mouse is sniffing the, yeah. the pencil holder in the left chamber, I had to press Q. And then yeah. if it's sniffing the right pencil holder, I had to press R or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Each mouse, I had to do it for like 20 minutes for each mouse. It's very old school and I had to do it manually. I did not like it. But you're just yeah. sitting there for 20 minutes for one mouse. And you're just staring at it. I'll listen to your podcast, The Science of Self-Care, Inside the Closet with Matteo Lane and mm. Emma Willman. They are mm. so fucking funny. Yeah. Have you ever met them? I haven't met them, but oh. I did sit on a plane next to Matteo Lane. Without. Wait, you sat next to him? Yeah, and I did not say, hey, I know who you are because <laughs> I thought it would be weird. But I definitely, it definitely was him. It was during the pandemic, so I wasn't sure. We were both in masks. But then mm-hmm. I looked at Instagram and Mateo was in the place that I was, mm-hmm. like they were doing a show. So I was like, okay, that definitely was Mateo. You know, pretend like you don't know him the entire plane ride. And then yeah. after like you get out of the terminal, that's when I would have been like, hey, uh, can I get a picture? No, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I was, I'm too awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying all these things. I probably would have done the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw Mateo Lane. Um couple weeks ago he came to houston he is so 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 funny yeah what always impresses me with comedians is that if there's ever a heckler or someone in the audience that Mm. says something it always impresses me when a comedian can like quickly say something or like combat that and then say something even funnier right that's great when they can do crowd work I'm not one with crowd work. I feel like when I'm hosting, because uh-huh. I do a lot of hosting of live shows and I try to interact with the audience. I always feel like I go like a step too far and the audience is then, because it's a careful thing because you can get the audience no longer on your side. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen a couple of clips on TikTok where <laughs> the comedian thinks that the audience is on their side and they go too far and then the audience will start booing the comedian. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, ew, I'm getting secondhand yeah. embarrassment. I know, but it's part of comedy is just freaking bombing on stage. But always it's just like, I'm not making fun of them. It's like, I make fun of myself too far. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so was it ever difficult balancing out lab work with comedy? Yeah, that's a great question. Such a good interviewer. Girl, I, I learned from you. <laughs> <laughs> Was it hard? Yeah, I mean, as I started getting more serious about comedy, I was understanding that I didn't want to stay at the bench or like be like go into academia. Mm-hmm. So I very much made it a point that I was going to be spending time doing science communication, whether that be like doing my show, Your Brain on Blank, that I hosted. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that was career development. So it was, you know, people spend time outside of their PhD, like teaching classes or doing other things to help develop what their next steps are. And Mm -hmm. that's what I really tried to think in my mind, like, this is part of my career development. 
that means I have to go leave lab by seven because I have a show at eight or, you know, something mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would figure it out that I would not be in lab on a Tuesday and Wednesday, but I would yeah. be in lab on a Saturday and Sunday. Luckily, I had a PI who was very easy with that. He was Ugh. like, if I was getting my work done, Bust. he really did not care when I was there. I love hearing that. Yeah. Every time I hear stories of supportive PIs, it just makes my heart yeah. melt because yeah. those are the people that like you need in your life. And yeah. I'm sure that you have like a good long-term relationship with them. Yeah. No, like yeah. you are literally in a relationship with them. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It wasn't only that. I also had an extremely supportive lab group. Aww. So they were so supportive of my career and my comedy that like, they would come to my shows. And also if it was a thing, like I was coming in late for something could someone like bring my mice to the behavior room to get them acclimated people would they were just like it was such a supportive lab it still is i see them all the time i didn't know it was so rare until like i heard other people's horror stories yeah i'm the complete opposite where i was like in a very terrible lab um (sighs) y'all can hear in episode one and i didn't know that labs could be so healthy after yeah. a lot of people start reaching out and say like, oh, my lab is the opposite where and I'm like, oh, I'm <sighs> jelly. But hey, yeah. like, I think definitely you have to go through the bad things in life to enjoy the good things in life. And so I always like to say that trauma helps build character and so girl i am a character because of that (laughs) (laughs) yes i love that it is hard because if you say start a phd or if you're just in a lab environment like you don't know what your life is going to look like if Mm -hmm. you stay there long term so if you start a phd you don't know in three years what your commitments are going to be obviously you're making a commitment to get Mm -hmm. a phd but like know that like I don't think you owe anyone anything. Like, it's your career. Mm -hmm. It's your career. So do what's right for you. You did make an agreement to start a PhD, but, like, it doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah. I saw a really good video on TikTok the other day. Mm. And I might post it on my Instagram story. Yeah. But in this video, this said, a few weeks ago at an audition, the choreographer said, you have something to share, not something to prove. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. That was ballsy balls to the walls i literally creamed (laughs) i literally creamed just reading that but that's so true though in a phd i got nothing to prove if anything i'm gonna prove how dumb i am how stupid i am how much preparation i need to to ace this presentation right it's also training so much of phd it's so hard because you go in and you're like expected to be or there's a thought that you're expected to be an expert right off the bat because you're mm-hmm. like in a PhD program, but it's it's a training program. It's like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be an expert. You're not supposed to be perfect at experiments. You're not supposed to be perfect at um, making presentations. Like yeah. the whole point is your training. What that. I learned throughout time is it shows you how to persevere and get back up. Yes. You know that one um, – that one vine, it goes, you better hop, hop, hop on the horse, hop on the horse, hop, hop on that horse. Hop, hop, hop on that horse, hop on that horse, you gotta hop on that hop. That's literally what I, it's, I don't I'm, it's not even supposed to be an inspirational video, but that's what's always playing in the back of my mind. <laughs> yes, inspirational quotes. What y'all don't know about me, well, I'm sure y'all know about this about me. Up in this head, it's mm. just constantly Vine and TikTok sounds. <laughs> Literally. Okay, let's go. What's your favorite Vine? Favorite Vine of all time? My favorite Vine? 
Um, what the fuck is up, Kyle? What the fuck is that? <laughs> That's a good one. I love Vine. I love it. I love TikTok, but don't listen to TikTok, but I love Vine. Vine is very nostalgic for me. Yeah. And that makes it sound old because Vine yeah. came out. I think Vine was very popular in high school and college for me. Vine was popular when I lived in the city. What's your favorite? I love, I'm in me mom's car. Oh. You know, me car. <laughs> 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 that was like on point. You like literally just played the actual audio. And then I love the remix of it that boom slap I'm in me mom's car. Yes. yes. I that plays in my mind all the time. Oh, there's another video. It goes, uh, there's like a mom cooking. And yeah. then whoever's recording, they're like, slap cam. And then she she turns around while she's like cutting her chicken. She's like I hope you, she said something like, I hope you are, you better the fuck not. And then yeah. they turned that into, okay, I'm like, I'm literally butchering this. Uh, future Darian, when you're editing this audio, please cut that out. And then, <laughs> or Future Darian, if you decide to keep that audio in, please include the video. Bitch, I hope the fuck you do. You'll be a dead son of a bitch, I tell you that. Note to self. Thank you, Future Darian. <laughs> Thank you, Future Darian. Yay, Future Darian. We love you. Future Darian. We love you. So I guess right now, what's next for you in the next, I don't know, like next month? What's next for you? I am working on a new video series. So, you know, I don't know when that's going to get released. But if you follow me on Instagram, it's going to be about neuroscience. So uh, check it out. I'm also, I'm doing a lot of writing, which has been really great. We love love writing. I love writing. (laughs) I love writing. I'm in a pilot class. I'm like doing some creative writing. No, like she's like literally flying a plane. She's- I'm <laughs> flying a plane. <laughs> it's creative. And I do creative things when I'm up there. I do air. What is that? Like the gas? No, the writing in the sky with the. With oh, the- <laughs> that's pilot writing. You're yeah. writing a script for your next sketch. <laughs> You're like telling jokes in the sky. Yeah. So look to the skies if you want to see what I'm up to. Look up in the sky if you want to laugh. And then, you know, hosting my podcast, Science of Self-Care, we're about to have our season finale. And then Mm. I'm also uh, part of another podcast. If you're listening and you like TTRPGs, tabletop role-playing games, I'm part of a really fun podcast. Do you know like Dungeons and Dragons? Okay. Okay. I've literally never heard of that acronym. Yes. um, Honestly, if you made up an acronym, I would have been like... I think I'm I like, said oh yeah, no, right? yeah. But we don't play Dungeons and Dragons. We play this thing called Shadowrun, but it's a similar type of system. So it's a lot mm. of improv, world building. I play, I play a really fun character who's like a ogre who's a jock. <laughs> really fun. So yeah. Shannon, where can my followers find you? You can follow me on Instagram at at s h o d e l l, or you can find me on TikTok at shannon.phg or you can find me my address is <laughs> all right future Darian, please uh dub over that and actually say her address thank you yeah. <laughs> how shady of me would it be like if i just did not edit me? <laughs> yeah you absolutely doxed me <laughs> all right shannon thank you so much this is so fun and i really want to bring so you back fun. i would love to come back yes i will be back whether you like it or not yes come on libra twinsy <laughs> wait random question are you very yeah. indecisive 
Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm super indecisive about everything. <laughs> okay, me just going, am I indecisive? Huh. I think that says everything. All right. I think that's a good ending note. All right. Bye, guys. I love you. I love you, Shannon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.